0: Well, we're going to look again at the this week at the thought of Moses as our role model, and the series has been a little harder to approach because there's so many different aspects we could bring out about it. So I've kind of had to pick and choose um, different stories, and so it might seem a little random, but uh, we're going to trust that as we look at it, we'll see some lessons from the life of Moses, and the Holy Spirit can speak to us, but. Uh, I wanted to look at at one of those stories of Moses leading Israel and specifically concerning the tribe of Levi from which Moses came. But bef- just before we look at the story, I-, I wanted to consider Moses and how he was leading Israel You know, as a father, kind of leading his children out of bondage, out of Egypt, and leading them into the promise and giving them what they needed and direction, encouragement, guidance, and, and so forth. And, you know, is that sense of he wanted to raise up mature children to walk in the ways and inherit the land and, you know, to know God as Moses was coming to know the Lord. And, you know, Moses, as they came to Mount Sinai, Moses is ascending up and down the mountain into the presence of God. It um, actually went up, up and down a few times. In in the story, and one of the very first things that God spoke to Moses and that he wanted to communicate to Israel was not the law or the commandments or the ceremony or uh, even the tabernacle. In fact, I, I actually think the first thing the Lord shared really showed the whole purpose of their journey and our journey. And it's in Exodus 19 and verse 5. And this is the Lord speaking, saying, Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all the people, for, of, for all the earth is mine. Verse 6, And you shall be a, unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You know, that was the promise to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That's what it was to all be about, you know, to be to go on a journey of transformation out of Egypt with the goal of being kings and priests, a holy nation. Now, Peter put it this way. Right? He kind of quoted this in a little different wording. Um, In 1 Peter 2 and verse 9, he says, But you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so God desires to produce a royal priesthood or a a group of priests Holy kings and priests under the Most High God and that was God's purpose for the whole nation. Now we're, we'll look at the story about how only a part, only a small part entered into that. but that's the calling of God. I think that's the most significant statement given in that mountain in the sense that gives the the direction of where, what God is really looking for with all that was then given of the law and the ceremony and the tabernacle and everything. It was all to point to that, that place. And Now, Hebrews puts it another way that, that really I want to bring out about is the theme of this message. And really one of the main purposes that Christ came back to earth, he came seeking sons and daughters. At Hebrews 2 and verse 10 for it was fitting for him on account of whom are all things and through whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of their salvation through suffering. And that's really why Christ came to earth and why we were put on this earth. It's to become those true, mature sons and daughters of the living God. And and of course that's the process that God wants to take us through that will be prepared that will be made ready to become mature and sometimes it's not easy of course Christ showed the pattern and his pattern was suffering or long suffering as Paul then exemplified you know but it's all to follow him in the way to bring us to glory You know, and we've looked at this in different ways. We looked at this through end times and the church coming to glory and so forth. But that this message is throughout scripture, really. And so that's how Moses is trying to lead Israel through the wilderness. There was going to be tests in heart and mind and, you know, dealings of the of the life and the flesh. And um, there was experiences where they were going to have to die. You know, God's purpose wasn't that they died in the wilderness, but part of them What's the their flesh would die. And then they could live to God and follow him to get their eyes off the past and rely upon the Lord to be led by the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And so as Moses is seeking to lead them, he's going up and down the mountain several times and meeting with God, receiving instruction. And and he he shares many different aspects, actually. He shares the, the commandments, the laws. He shares the moral law. He shares the ceremonial law um, and then the, the tabernacle, which is a pattern of heavenly things. And he's receiving all of this. And now I want to pick up in the story uh, of, G- of Moses. As he's in the mountain, he's been up there quite a while. And we know the story goes is that he's been up there so long that Israel starts to get a little restless. And. Um, you know, and so he wasn't, Moses wasn't just up there waiting for God to carve the Ten Commandments with his finger, but he was receiving a lot of instruction. And so he'd been up on the mountain quite a while. And as the, as Moses is up there, the Lord gives him some instruction. This is, an, I'll summarize it, but it's Exodus 32, 7 and 8. And the Lord tells Moses, you'd better get down the mountain because the people you are and you know it's the people you are leading and here's the lord speaking to moses these are the ones you're leading have already corrupted themselves you know and so they've click quickly turned aside and you kind of get that picture there is a parent that's a little exasperated with their children there's the ones you have been leading one parent to another uh And so the Lord himself seems exasperated at this point. And and he shares how he would like to start over with Moses and get rid of the rebels. And then Moses, you know, he, he reminds the Lord, he said, but Lord, remember Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and how you swore to yourself that you would multiply their seed like the stars and give them the land. And, you know, so Moses intercedes for his people and then he gets down quickly. And as they come down you know they hear a sound and Joshua is a little confused in fact he's concerned he said you know Master, is it the sound of war right is it fighting it sounds chaotic but Moses gives the sad response in Exodus 32:18. 18 I'm gonna read from the CEV version I really like how this puts it it Moses says it doesn't sound like they're shouting because they have won or lost a battle they are singing wildly it was a wild party you know they had cast off the restraint of moses and the way he was trying to lead them and they had given themselves in abandon back to the ways of egypt and of course they uh entreated aaron to make a an idol a cat golden calf for them and they worshiped that and had a had a great big party but that kind of represented their life and in the, in what they desired. They, that, they desired that. They wanted life to be a party and to lead them into a good life. Um, now there's more to the story that we won't bring out. I mean, we could mention the lame excuse of Aaron, how he said he, he just cast gold in the fire and out came a calf. You know, it's not my fault. But I wanted to look at what happened next Because Moses makes a call. And so in Exodus 32, 26, it says, Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. And so here's where we see Moses as an example to us, as a father leading his children and the heavenly father, uh, seeking to raise up his children, you know, into maturity and into glory. And how disappointing it must have been, right? After every, everything they'd gone through up to that point, he's given the message and the promise of, of a good land and of, uh, that God wants to raise them up as a kingdom of priests, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And almost the whole nation devolved into a wild party that must have been so discouraging and uh, it must have been hard to behold that scene and we know it was hard because he broke the tablets of stone in frustration i wonder if moses was thinking is there anyone who's on the lord's side and of course he, there were some and he made that declaration that invitation who is on the lord's side and but i think that cry is still echoing from heaven who is on the Lord's side? You know, after all that the Lord has done for mankind, of giving his son as a sacrifice, showing the way to salvation, giving his Holy Spirit empowerment, the abundance of grace, a vision, the inclination of man, so often is as Israel is to sit down to eat and rise up to play. You know, speaking of going our own way, but the cry of God is, "Who is on my side, and who will follow me in my way?" And of course, we know the story. There was one tribe who responded. You know, out of the whole of Israel, it was Levi, and it doesn't even look like it was the whole tribe, but mainly the mainly the tribe of of Levi, because it looks like they went in and you know had to go against some of their brethren, but but. They responded, and, and a part of that response was that Levi had to separate themselves from the other, from others, and they had to equip themselves with swords, and they had to fight their brethren. Now, of course, that for us, that, there's that speaking of a spiritual sense, you know, that we have to be willing to separate ourselves unto God, and we have to take the sword, and we have to fight anything that's going to get in the way of that separation and being joined unto God that we follow in the way of Christ. Now in, in developing this this thought of how we can respond to the call of God, you know, to follow Him in the way to become true sons and daughters, I want to look at three main points that can relate to this process. And One is found in in Exodus 32 in verse 29. The first one is that thought of consecration. Exodus 32, 29 says, And Moses said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord, every man upon his son, upon his brother, that he may bestow upon you a blessing this day. And so the first step for Levi, or for the one who would come to glory and to maturity was consecration and the that thought of consecration in scripture in general it means to 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 set apart or make devoted right set yourselves apart and be my devoted ones and in the literal hebrew phrase it means to fill the hand fill your hand you know and, and it's the thought of, of a you know, an Israel would fill their hands with, with a holy sacrifice with their tithes or, or, or an offering and they would come to the Lord. But, you know, he says, consecrate yourselves, fill your hand so that you'll be set apart. And, you know, as believers, we have that call before us that's echoing from heaven is who was on the Lord's side. And the in reality, the only way to follow that, to to answer that call, is by first recognizing that God has a higher call for us. He has a pathway for us to walk on. It's recognizing that and understanding that, and and, and so forth. You know, that's that pathway through the wilderness He wants to lead us in. Isaiah called it the highway of holiness. But also that anything that will hinder us on that path we have to fill our hand with his sword and cut that away with, with, without any regard to what that is, whether it's a family relationship or a dream or a desire in life or a goal or some, anything like that. The sword has to pass through it. And that's the only way we can become that true son or daughter of glory. Glory of fulfilling his, his plan, the fullness of his plan. Because the temptation in life is to say, well, I want to go to heaven, but I also want to live for what fulfills me, right? Of my dream, my vision. Um, whereas the true sons and daughters, they say, well, I want to live for what fulfills the heart of God, his dream and his vision. And we fight for that in our lives. So the first part is consecration. The second part is the thought of training, right? Because once we've committed ourselves to that, we've answered the call and we're we're willing to cut ties and and lay behind us anything that would hinder us in our race, you know, we have to train to and and be prepared to enter into the land and and so forth. And so we have to learn and be trained in his ways. And you know. That was really, for Israel, it was only to last a period of two years. They could have quickly gone through the training process and come into the land. Of course, it was 40 years because they resisted the training process and resisted God in that. But they had to walk for a season in the wilderness and be trained to learn the new way that God had for them. And a lot of things had to be changed in their mind and their thought process. Another word that we could associate with this thought of training is also correction, right? Or maybe we're going to read Hebrews and it uses the word chasten. But I think correction is also a synonym that we could understand. Hebrews 12, 5, it says, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons and daughters. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him for whom the lord loves he chastens and if you endure chastening god deals with you as with sons for what son is there that the father does not chasten or correct or train in the way so that he can come into that place of a father being over the, his house you know that's that's the quality of a true son or daughter in the sense of maturity they're able to receive correction, training, guidance. And so a part of that is changing, right? Putting off, you know, I've, as it says in the New Testament, I've put away childish things. That can only come through training and learning. And so, you know, when we come to Christ, our mind thinks a certain way. And what is that way? Well, it's the lower way. Another verse, another verse, concept we, we get from Isaiah, because our thoughts are not his thoughts. His, our thoughts are low. His thoughts are high. And the training is what God wants to take us through to reprogram how we think so that we can walk in his way. And that, that happens through many different seasons in life. I think that's always going to be happening in, in life. But, you know, there's another illustration we can look at that helps us understand this is that of a soldier, right? We're called to be good soldiers of Jesus Christ, as Paul said to Timothy, in, in 2 Timothy. and in Second Timothy. And so when soldiers first come into the service, they're taken through boot camp, right? And boot camp basically is a it's a period of an, an intense time. And a part of the purpose of that, you know, sometimes you're like, why are they all yelling at, at the soldiers? Why can't they be nice to them? Well, that's their way of breaking down the soldiers and their will and what they want, breaking down their way of thinking, right, of the, of the new recruits. And the drill instructors are really good at that and get in their face and tell them when all the time when they're doing wrong and what they need to do and so forth. But all the exercises are designed to bring them to the end of themselves. But after that, they don't leave them there. They begin to build them up so that, and teach them how to think in the way of of command, of the structure of command, of receiving orders, of working together as a unit, so that they can fight effectively. You know, and that's how the Lord wants to train us through many different seasons and experiences. You know, continuing on in Hebrews, in twelve and verse ten, it, you know, and it's speaking of human fathers here in the context. It says, "For they indeed, for a few days, chastened us as seemed best to them, but he." Speaking of God, for our prophet that we might be partakers of his holiness. And so God trains and instructs us and is calling us to walk in his way that we can be partakers of his holiness. Of course, it's not fun because verse 11 says, no chastening seems joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And so there's a yielding, there's an endurance that's required, but, the, but it produces very good fruit. It allows us to be partakers of his holiness and have the peaceable fruit of righteousness in those who have been trained by it. And so God's l- looking to deal with us and work in our, in our lives so that he can lead us into a good way. And that leads me to my final point, point three, so that we can be led by his spirit. Romans eight fourteen, for as many as are led by the spirit, they are the sons of God, All right? That's the path that God wants to lead us in, of learning to hear and respond to his voice, to respond to the Holy Spirit each day like the mature sheep in the flock. And of course, Jesus said that in John 10, 27. He said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. You know, it's not the lambs or the young ones, but it's the sheep who have come to maturity. But, you know, we we, again, we come to that place by accepting the leading. You know, being led by the Spirit is really developing that ability to constantly yield our will. To the shepherd as we learn to respond to him he leads us in good ways but to be led by the spirit it's really a new level of training right we can come to christ through the door of salvation you know we can be trained in his way but yet there's even a uh, even a higher way of being learning to be led and submitted to the spirit of god you know we see examples of that in scripture, and we can think of the apostle Paul, right? He didn't just follow principle, he followed the spirit. Because at one point, when he was preaching in Asia Minor, you know, he was doing what, what was right. I mean, who wouldn't go around preaching the gospel? But then the Holy Spirit sometimes you read that verse, and I'm still surprised the Holy Spirit forbid them from preaching. You might think that's not scriptural, but it's in scripture, right? The Holy Spirit forbade them from preaching, but it was because he, he had a call for them. The Macedonian call to go on to Greece and, and the cities there and, and, and all of the, the places that they were able to minister and being in Corinth and having such wonderful fruit for those years there. It started with a experience of being led by the Spirit, you know, not by principle. and You know, that, that takes a higher level of training and submitting to the Lord. And that's what God wants to bring us to as believers. And Now I was, I was reading a biography on a soldier recently and he went through, he went through many levels of training. He started off as, a, as an infantry, then he went into the Ranger uh, uh, company, which is a, that's a pretty intense program in itself. But he was talking about how he then went on to an even more elite unit uh, in the military Um, But he was saying how when he was a ranger, every aspect of his training was laid out for him in detail. He was told what hour to show up and when to do what and what exactly was required of him and who was going to train him and what the program. It was all structured. But in this unit, it was totally different. It was hard because he said the goal of this unit was to teach the soldiers to be reactive, to adapt to any situation, to be self-sufficient when things changed. And, and so forth. And, and so in their selection course, they had the regular endurance tests of exercise and running and all that stuff. But then they were given these arbitrary tasks of just land navigation. You go from point A to point B. But what was hard about it is they said, you're being timed. And if you don't meet that time, you fail. But they didn't tell them what the time was. They just had to keep going from point A to point B. And then when they got there, they'd give them another point. And that happened over and over again. And they never knew how well they were doing. They didn't know if they were failing or, do, you know, but what it was designed to do was to give their all. You know, they didn't know if they were doing well. So they just gave 110% to make sure they got there on time. And And he said this was the hardest part of it. In fact, there was a uh, he said there was a drill instructor from the Rangers that was like the best of the best. He could endure anything. He could, you know, he was just an awesome soldier, and, and with strength and stamina. But to their surprise, one day he turned to the other uh, uh, recruits there who were going through the program, and he said, "I can't do this anymore. Um, I'm out." And they were kind of shocked. But then he said, "I cannot take not knowing what's involved." not knowing what's required of me, what's expected, how I pass. And, you know, he, he left. And, and they just had to continue not knowing the full picture. They just took what came before them day by day. They were in the dark, but they just had to respond to what was given and give their all. And not just that, it was a test of the mind sometimes. One, one day, I'll, this will be the last part of this, but one day one of the instructors said to the whole group, he said, uh, some of you are on the edge. If you don't, if you don't get to the, your, your points today in enough time, you're not going to make it. You're going to wash out. And then there was two others. One was the author of this book where the instructor came to them and said, I was talking about you two. You better, you better hustle today or you're out. Well, I was kind of surprised reading that because this guy has been really good and they were doing well. And come to find out, at the end of the book, they they were two of the best, and so I, I understood something. That instructor was telling them, you know, he was he wanted to see how would his two best soldiers react with these words and thoughts that they were the worst. Right? Were they going to give up? Were they just going to surrender? Well, the end of the story is they didn't give up and they passed and they became a part of that unit. But I, I thought, how accurate is that of of a picture of the time and the season that we're in that you know it's like we're in a training period being led in ways we don't see the full picture we don't know the time involved we don't know you know when the promises are going to come and when when the expectations are going to be fulfilled we're just being led through times of uncertainty but we're learning to be led by the spirit of god to trust Him, to follow Him, to think in new ways, to rely upon God in new ways. But in doing so, we can learn to fight against uncertainty and even thoughts of condemnation that the enemy will bring to see whether we will endure to the end. You know, we're we're called not to walk after the flesh, but after the Spirit, not with our own thoughts, but with the thoughts of the Spirit of God. and. You know, that's true life and liberty of learning to follow the Lamb wherever He leads us. Because that's that group in Revelation 14. They're standing before Him on His holy mountain because they walked after the Spirit and not after their own mind or ways. You know, they ceased being like, you know, there's those who can walk in the way, but they're like the horse. that God has to put the bit and bridle and lead them in the way. But there always comes a time when that's taken out And I have to say, well, are they going to continue without that? Well, the only only ones who follow in that way are the sheep who hear his voice. And so the call is going out. Who is on the Lord's side? Who will follow him in the way? Well, it requires consecration. Of filling our hand with his word and sword and cutting away anything that's going to hinder us in it. It requires training where we put away our low thoughts and we focus on the higher way. But all of it is that we might be those who are led by the Spirit of God. We might walk in uncertainty, not knowing the full picture, but the outcome is that we might be transformed into true sons and daughters of glory, partakers of His holiness, bearing good fruit that comes from a life of following the Lamb wherever He would lead us. And Lord, we just look to you and we thank you, Lord, that you you died for us not just so that we could go to heaven, but that we could be transformed to become like you, Lord, to become sons and daughters of glory, remade into your image, Lord, thinking like you, walking in your ways, and being led by your spirit. Lord, we just pray that that you would. Do that work within us, Lord, that work of consecration, that work of training and preparation. Make us those who could be corrected and walk in your way and receive your leading and your guidance. And Lord, make us those who could be led by your Spirit, who would follow the Lamb wherever you would lead them, that we could be partakers of your wonderful holiness and the fruit of your Spirit, we ask. And we thank you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.